Welcome to the Exploring Healing Arts podcast, your go-to source for learning about different healing techniques and meeting exceptional healing arts practitioners from around the globe. Together, we explore where the physical meets the subtle, the possibilities that exist for healing, and a diverse array of methods to try, from acupuncture to yin yoga and Reiki to family constellation therapy. My name is Elizabeth Alexander. I am the creator and curator behind this podcast, a Reiki master and energy healing practitioner. This podcast is something I have dreamed of for many, many moons, and my intention is to birth the resource I wish I had had at the start of my own healing arts journey over a decade ago. Whether you are just getting started on your own journey or you are intentionally diving deeper into a healing arts practice, this podcast is the place for you. You will hear inspiring stories, get real life practical tips, and connect with exceptional practitioners and teachers from around the world. No two paths in healing are the same, but that does not mean you need to be alone. Join us to explore and experience healing together. Today, I am really excited to be co-creating an episode with yoga teacher and artist, Jen Lowe. Jen loves to teach. From painting to yogasana, she brings her devotion and sensitivity to all she offers. She believes that every person is creative, and her mission is to be a torchbearer for artists. Yoga as artistic meditation. She seeks to inspire clients by being their muse, a playful conduit that aligns with the spontaneous nature of creation. Jen is a graduate of the Bhakti Nova School. Her dear teachers include Nubia Tejera, Tony Kupal, Jennifer Lane, and Edwina Farrow. She is influenced by the work of Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes and Professor Andrew Huberman. Please join me in welcoming Jen Lowe. Well, welcome, Jen. Hi. <laughs> we just finished a yin yoga practice that Jen facilitated and led today. It was amazing, Thank you. as always. And I'm just putting it out to the universe. I would love to start every episode I podcast with a practice like that. Good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've heard about your bio. I'd love to get to know a little bit more about your roots, your community, what has shaped you on your path. Tell us like where were you born? Where did you grow up? What's your ancestry and where are you living now? Yeah. So I'm what people call it ABC. That's what my dad called me growing up. <laughs> you ABC. And that, what that means is American born Chinese. So while I was born in the States, we moved to Taiwan when I was seven or we 10. We moved back to the East Coast where I went to uh, school. And then uh, now I live in La Honda, California, which is the land of the Ohlone people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In our backyard, there's a little site and you walk down and there's a big flat rock with holes that have been bored in. <laughs> it's really beautiful because it's hidden wow. behind this other rock. So you kind of have to go around and it's there. So really special on the land where I live. Yeah. What a meaningful <laughs> connection to have. For sure. So your healing journey. Mm-hmm. I know you've been teaching yoga for a while. Yeah. You've been an artist for even longer. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about like where did you start and what was your path to working yeah. in the healing arts? I think like many, many people, there was um, a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was this collision of um, a physical uh, car accident where my car flipped on the 101. Yeah. Wow. 
And then there was this emotional <laughs> pain <laughs> from being heartbroken. Oh. And so there was this like blah of the two. And so between the whiplash and yeah, being a puddle on the ground, you know, <laughs> I somehow through like divine grace found a yoga studio mm-hmm. and put myself on this seven times a week. <laughs> Yeah. So at first it was, it was a distraction. You know, how can I do something very physical to distract from, and it worked, right? I wasn't feeling so sad because I was sweating. Mm -hmm. And through those, the grace of many teachers at that studio, I call it, I call it my, (laughs) I call it my elementary school. And so you go, you take your shoes off and, you know, and you go in the studio, you know, and it's like very kind and sweet and and hot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, And so that was the elementary, that was the beginning. And then after that, I moved away from Pacifica and somehow ended up at a new studio with new teachers and met my mentor and did a teacher training and things kind of took a different, right? Started to morph into something else, which really makes me think that, you know, it starts as a physical practice, but it, it never stays mm-hmm. just a physical practice. And you know that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. <laughs> I'm wondering if there was like ever like a pivotal point for you. Mm-hmm. And for some people there are, and for some people it, it doesn't, it's not something like you know, so specific, but where you're like, wow, this has really shifted from being something that I'm, you know, experiencing for myself to something that I want to like share with others. Oh yeah. There's many. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. There's like many. And some of them are very like loud. Some of them are instant. Mm -hmm. Some of them hit you maybe a month or a year later. Yeah. Yeah. The gift of the teachers really planting those seeds and then. So let me think there's one. I think I just spontaneously burst out into tears, the magic of a hip opener, you know, <laughs> and then the, 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 uh, the gentle touch of a teacher at the right time, I think was super sweet. And that was a very big like opening mm-hmm. when I started chanting, like a lot of teachers were chanting in San Francisco and then something happened. Like that was a profound, like, Ooh, right. So when we chant, there's like nothing else happening. You're mm-hmm. just focused on that. And there's something very very sweet and very healing about singing or chanting. That's beautiful. So it sounded like you went in for the physical practice, for, for sure. the distraction, the help with the whiplash. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh yeah. Like- Thanks for guiding me back. <laughs> I'm like, I knew I was going somewhere with that. Okay. And then you started experiencing some of the more subtle yeah. benefits of yoga and also the chanting. I mean, using your voice, that's a powerful physical and subtle practice that yes. brings us to the present moment. Mm-hmm. The more I think about it, the more connected they are, the mm-hmm. physical and the subtle. The subtle is always happening around us. Anyways, it's just a different sort of paying attention yep. for that to be felt. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that I really love about your classes. For those of you that don't know, I love going to yin yoga because <laughs> it's like bust out the blankets, bust out the blocks, bust out the pillows, you know, and then like <laughs> make yourself cozy, but with intention. Yeah. And I feel like it provides this spaciousness where you are in stillness physically Mm -hmm. and you can immerse yourself to really attune to what's going on subtly. For sure. And I know that you orient your classes with specific intentions. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about like what that looks like or how that process goes for you? Well, I teach based on what I would like to receive. And for me, it helps when there's a, there's even in an hour to have 
a focus. Um, and in yin, especially, there's a huge opportunity for that intention to be elaborated mm-hmm. like with quite a lot of depth. Um, so, oh gosh, depends, you know, isn't that the answer to like so many, <laughs> yeah. so many questions. So, um, in general, I like to plan my classes month to month. So there's maybe like a loose focus on a particular theme or in yin yoga, a particular meridian line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did some studies with the organs and traditional Chinese medicine. So there's emotions in the organs and then the organs have meridian lines. Mm. So I think there's a very beautiful and relatable way to delve into that while you're in a pose, right? Mm-hmm. Supported and designed to stimulate that particular meridian line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's like for, for people who haven't been to Jen's classes before, you'll like set us up into a pose, but then you'll give us some little nuggets <laughs> while we're there to be with. And it's just, I find it really expansive. I appreciate okay. it a Thank lot. You. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you for meeting me there. Yeah. yeah. So I would love to know, you've already mentioned some of your teachers that have like sparked seeds inside of you and your different mentors. Like who have been some of those impactful teachers, whether they're people in person or like courses with multiple teachers or books? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love teachers in general. (laughs) And I love my teachers, the one I've physically been in the presence of and also teachers I just read, right? Listen to. So just so shout out to all the San Francisco teachers that opened my open the door. Yeah. So Janet Stone was the first teacher who uh, chanted and played mm-hmm. the harmonium. Mm-hmm. I said, what is this? <laughs> so she definitely like cracked the door open and was like, there's more, <laughs> but wait, you know, there's, there's deities and there's, you know, philosophy and Piquinoso and Stephanie Snyder. Those are mm-hmm. the San Francisco giants, if you will. That mm-hmm. So cool. You can still practice with them from afar. Yeah. Um, in Pacifica, the elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, teachers Claire and Brittany and Neil. Neil with his drums, he would do sun salutations while playing the djembe drums. Wow. Yeah, it was and it was hot and it was sweaty and it was magical. <laughs> yeah, that really got you know the things you can't describe really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like Neil. And then Edwin Afero, I my mentor now, and Dr. Jennifer Lane and Bend. They influence me frequently and deeply. I can keep going. There's Nubia up in the North Bay. I did my 300 hour with her bhakti and hatha, divine feminine, just like that big mother um, energy. Talk about a teacher who walks a walk, Mm -hmm. like talks talk. That's that's who she is. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people get into yoga because of the physical practice, at least here in the United States, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. It was your entry point. It was my entry point. And it's like people come, they want to get their workout, they want to get fit. And I know my experience has been similar to yours where it's like the door cracks open and you learn a little bit more and a little (laughs) bit more. And you have this breadth of teachers from, you know, different styles and different trainings. Can you tell us a little bit more about just... For people who are curious or who are in a physical relationship with mm-hmm. yoga about the other parts of it that maybe don't get talked about as much. Ooh, yeah. Great question. I think that with any fast moving class, like a bhakti vinyasa mm-hmm. class, one, to keep everyone safe, there's a lot more talk about what to do with the body. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so there's in turn less opportunity to talk about the channels opening or um, what's really happening energetically in a posture rather than what's happening physically in a mm-hmm. posture. 
So in yin, then the it's, it's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> then the yang. Both are good. <laughs> Both are good. Two yeah. ways in. Yeah. Um, and the it's going to get you one way or another. Mm-hmm. Right. And in fact, I think yin in many, many ways is more difficult for, for humans <laughs> in 2022. Yep. Yeah. It's more challenging. I see, at least for me, I would fidget a lot. I would, you know, check the time, check my phone. It's, it was very difficult in the beginning. There's difficulties in both practices. There's difficulty in a vinyasa. There's difficulties in sitting still. And just because in a vinyasa class, for example, there's more cueing mm-hmm. around the physical body and the physical movements. I want to make sure I'm understanding correctly. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not still getting the subtle benefits. Right. Is that correct? So the postures are designed. There you go. Is that? By design. Yeah. At least this is what I'm learning now from one of my teachers. These classical poses like mm-hmm. triangle and your side angle pose, those have a very deep design to them. Okay. Right. To open these channels, mm-hmm. these meridian lines, whatever you want to call it. There's different vocabulary around it. But these classical poses are certainly designed to release um, energy to free energy in the body. Can you tell us about a time maybe either you've experienced like a shift from like a physical posture, you've experienced some sort of like a subtle oh, energy connection? Yeah, or definitely. You've been witness to that and are um, invited to share. These are, cool. these are really, really cool questions. I love these questions. Uh, yeah. Um, so when I started my practice, I didn't know what I was, you know, just like kind of looking around and like, okay, that's a cobra, you know. And in my cobra pose, Basically, my head was like the back of my head was almost touching my behind. You know, I was just like, let me do maximum effort. And uh, my teacher came by, Claire, love you. She came by with the back of her hand and she kind of just like scooped my head up, you know, so that my head was not uh, knocked back and my neck wasn't being crunched into a little ball. And I remember when she did that, like what I know now, what was happening was she was aligning my throat line, right? That lock, she was bringing that into position. And when that happened, I felt this connectiveness from my head to my body. Wow. And so that can be described as physical, right? Like this, this happened, but there's that subtle, like, oh, let me position myself so the energy can flow freely from one place to another. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a cool. That was a cool experience. (laughs) And for people listening, like we break it down as physical and subtle in this podcast, with helping Mm -hmm. to differentiate and helping to bring attention to both modalities because I feel like are both kinds of energy. Because a lot of times, subtle energy gets overlooked. We're so focused on physical, but um, at least in my opinion, they're so interrelated Mm -hmm. that there is a oneness about them. Yep. And so even if you're not aware of subtle shifts happening, like what Jen just described, they may still be happening for you. They're definitely happening. We're here to plant seeds to pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) So that being said, like, how would you explain physical energy or subtle energy, at least coming from like Mm -hmm. a yoga perspective? Yeah. Gross to subtle was Mm -hmm. the way I learned it Mm -hmm. in the philosophy realm. And just to be clear, I'm not a... Hindu, but I have a lot of reverence for that tradition and yoga philosophy and the Krishnamacharya lineage. Mm. So gross to subtle. So moving from the physical, what we can sense with the physical body, Mm -hmm. um, and then shifting that into withdrawal, right? So the idea of withdrawing the physical senses of the body as the vehicle into the subtle. Mm. And then 
what's beautiful about that is then from the subtle, from that like one pointed focus from that, what we feel, you know, after we go back into the gross, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's that cycle. So when when you ask like physical, subtle, yes, there are times when we are more physically feeling. And then there's sometimes when we're more in that subtle realm of indescribable-ness. <laughs> yep. But it's always a cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's okay. beautiful. I love how honoring you are of your teachers. I feel like we could just have a whole podcast. <laughs> we could. <laughs> On the teachers you've learned from and lineages. How did you know? Like, what did it feel like in your body when you found a teacher? Was it like you saw a poster, you walked into a class, like, and you were like, I need to study with this person? Or was it just like the convenience of the offering to where you were? Yeah, all of that, for sure. I'll be honest, when I started my physical practice, I, uh, I chose teachers very much based on their physical appearance. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, the, you know, whatever gets you practicing. And the more, the deeper I got into the practice, like the less, you know, and the less and less that was important. And to a point now where I think I can practice with any teacher and Mm. be just so like in, in, you know, the more you practice, the more you love it. And every single person, every single person has someone, something Mm -hmm. to teach. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. But you shouldn't feel icky. I want to be clear. Yeah. Like there, there are times where I felt um, uncomfortable, the spidey senses. And if that, don't discount that, that's totally valid. Yeah. And that's just a time to maybe detach. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I felt with my teachers, I'm like, I'm curious. Yeah. And I feel like this could be a safe situation, you know, and I want to learn more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here, here we go. If it's yeah. not a strong yes, it's a no. I love that too. That's a, that's a really good one. Like, that helps me discern like when those really challenging experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for people who are just starting out to like have those conversations. Like, Mm. like you said, there's something to learn from everyone, but how do we discern? How do we distinguish the people that are just, it feels like a full body. Yes. For. Yeah. Let me, let me add something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the teachers, they like a river, you know, like a stream, they, they will weave in and out, like with you, they'll mm. come in, they'll go out and sometimes they'll make a comeback, you know, <laughs> and, and sometimes they'll just drop in real quick and, and that's it. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. I was in this, uh, Ashtanga class and, um, I had never practiced with this teacher before and she was really well known in the community. I won't say who she is. And then I was doing a, a reverse bind, which is this pretty deep twist okay. where you wrap your arms around the body and you try to connect them behind wow. your back. Okay. And it's reverse. So it's even of a deeper variation. <laughs> it's deep, 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 deep. And so she put me in it. So she came and she cranked me and pulled my arms together. And, and that felt, I didn't know what to feel at that time, but it reflecting back on that now, I'm like, wow, that was really inappropriate. Like I didn't consent to all of this. And this is a very Western view. I want to mm-hmm. be clear of like getting consent before touching someone. That's where I grew up, right? That's how I practice. Anyways, my point is actually that even that was a wonderful experience for mm-hmm. me, right? Even that taught me immensely about boundaries yeah. and, and the student teacher relationship. So, um, just practice, right? Just practice. And, uh, that, that took maybe 10 years to digest. <laughs> it sounds so simple. <laughs> yeah. Every teacher, even they're human, right? There's no mm. such thing as a perfect teacher. So they're going to weave in and out. Sometimes they leave you with a giant, whoa, wow. And sometimes it's like, 
that was okay. I learned something about like my side body, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like, wow, I learned that I will never do that. Good learning. Yeah. (laughs) Important (laughs) learning too. So if you could go back and tell a younger version of you that was just starting out on this healing arts journey, like both for your personal practice and then getting into your practice with Mm -hmm. offerings, what would you tell yourself? Oh, practice more. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. What does practice more mean? Practice more. Just spend more time in practice. Okay. Whatever that is. Okay. Yeah. All the, (laughs) I like think about big questions now, the older I get, the bigger the questions is, you Mm -hmm. know, like, how do I get at this? How get good at this? Or what's the meaning of my purpose or yeah. And at the end, all of those big questions is practice. Really is. Is that cheesy? (laughs) Was I, I'm known to be cheesy. I love it. It's so applicable (laughs) though. Yeah. So I would just apply that. And I think she would know what I meant. Mm-hmm. Well, got you here. You've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, whatever you pay attention to, you are practicing. Okay. So you can get really good at online shopping. You get really good at watching Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. So these are just really carefully. Yeah. Maybe that's what I would say to her. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you're paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the next question has the word practice yeah. in it. <laughs> good. <laughs> What practices help you to stay embodied? Yeah. Art making is a big mm. one. I was thinking today, it's like, oh, taking care of plants, mm. I think is a really spiritual practice. It's very sweet. Yeah. They're wonderful teachers mm-hmm. as well. So making art in combination with a physical yoga practice is really, really beautiful. And my teacher, Nubia, gave me you know, some parting advice after I graduated from, from my 300 hour, 500 hour training. And she's like, you know, you, you really need to be the torchbearer for lost artists Mm. and you bring them in and art is your yogic meditation. Mm. (laughs) Talk about teachers giving gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in a way I think of that sometimes in my work is like, okay, everyone is creative to be clear. And there's a lot of overculture and poo-pooing, like, don't make art. You can't make it, especially the Bay Area. Oh, my God. Um, don't do that creative thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a call for everyone to create something. It doesn't have to be art, right? Just, like, make something. Food. <laughs> yeah. Garden spreadsheet you know if you, if you find that artistic <laughs> i've seen beautiful yeah, spreadsheets that it works so hard what was the question that makes my heart sing i'm just so happy sitting here listening to you well it was what well, helps you to stay embodied oh, right. and you talked about art which leads me to another question like mm-hmm. i would love for you to name some of the other mediums i know you are a trained artist and we've talked about ceramics because yeah. mm-hmm. we both have been humbled by the wheel yes <laughs> Can you name some of the mediums that you're playing with currently or have in yeah. the past? So hmm, I think I'm a teacher first and foremost, and I'm always thinking about what, how can I teach something? And then, so I want to teach and I already have, and I just want to go deeper with this kintsugi, mm-hmm. which is the golden Japanese art of golden joinery. And I taught it first with air dry clay. I don't know if you've worked with it, Mm-mm. but no kiln required. Okay. So you mold it and then it air dries and then you break it and put it back together. Cool. Lovely. Cool. Class. <laughs> and and <laughs> wouldn't it be better if we had actual 
pieces of pottery. Yeah. 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 And that's what brought me actually to go learn how to throw pottery. Oh, cool. And then just like the physical practice leading to the subtle shifts and openings like that, like the physical act of making like pottery on the wheel, like centering it just like all of a sudden mm-hmm. connected that, that divine inspiration, that presence, presence. That's what I that's, would use. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're centering the clay. I mean, how beautiful is that vocabulary? Mm-hmm. Um, in shibori, indigo dyeing, there's yeah. folding, twisting, bending, wrapping, you know. So even in the vocabulary itself, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How does – so I know the vocabulary you're bringing up is one point, but how do these practices and in art inform your physical practices or the way that you teach um, in yoga? Yeah. Yeah, this is coming through now. So if you practice the physical practice over and over and over, and then all of a sudden within that rhythmic repetition Mm -hmm. of breath and movement, like there's a, my teacher calls it like a cosmic ohm that draws out of that. So the same thing when you're making art, it's like you're, you're in this, like the zone, if you will, or in this like repetitive uh, motion, and then something comes out Mm -hmm. of that. So if we can combine mm-hmm. like to make this like mega like opportunity, like experience <laughs> where you're, you're making art and you're practicing physically yeah. and that can happen. And then to have this like emergence of something more sublime. Wow. It's like a mega practice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> did I answer your question? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you totally did. do a good job of forgetting the question. Oh, I'm, enjoying every minute and everything, every word that you use. It feels very divine. Now, another thing that you do, you know, I think that informs your practice, at least from my experiences of going to your yin yoga classes is neuroscience. Oh yeah. Like today in class, it was so cool, Jen. We were doing some breathing exercises. There's an offering for breathing um, reminders and some attention to the lungs. And you were bringing up how they're like, billions of little balloons in your lungs. And I was like, anytime I get mad at someone, I'm going to be like, they have a billion balloons in their chest. And (laughs) it just puts you in this headspace of like looking at them as a miracle again, as opposed to like getting caught up, you know, in the emotions or feelings of the moment. And I think the way that you bring up neurology and neuroscience in relation to like the poses that we're in does the same thing for me. Yeah. Where are you drawing your inspiration from and what inspires you to weave that into the practice? Yeah. Shout out to my husband, Chris, who who introduced me to the Huberman lab. So the professor Andrew Huberman at Stanford has a podcast and he has a uncanny ability to take very complicated concepts and explaining them. And it's very digestible for me. So I definitely refer to Andrew Huberman as one of my teachers who I've never met. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And so I love it when there's a confluence between the scientific method (laughs) and the like spiritual woo-woo, if you will, teachings. Mm -hmm. And when they meet in the middle and they're saying the same thing, but with a different language, Mm -hmm. it just really fortifies that message. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what the Huberman lab does is he'll explain, right, that the the mechanisms of the lungs and how that affects the diaphragm and the heart and the neurons that get sent up to the brain and this messaging that basically explains pranayama Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you were to just open the book the yoga sutras and read the (laughs) read a couple verses on pranayama 
it's like it's one way, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a lot of trustworthy and a lot of people with a lot of faith and a lot of diligence to practice will arrive there, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for someone who might be more approachable, especially in this Western culture, mm-hmm. right, to have some science mm-hmm. to back that up. But it's really, really cool for me to learn and see when they intersect. Yeah. Yeah. And I love bringing it to class because it's, yeah. it's relatable, right? Like why... Stephanie Snyder's choices. Uh, make sure you're teaching something that your students care about. Okay. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> why would they care about this particular teaching? Yeah. You know, so like, why do we care about the breath? Mm-hmm. You can hear yoga teachers talk day, night, day, mm-hmm. night about the breath and how important that is. But why is that actually important to me? So, you know, if I learn that, oh, breathing can help boost my immune system and here's how, well, that's exciting, mm-hmm. right? Very much so. And then there's, oh, there's a philosophy chapter in the yoga sutras about this particular breathing technique. Like, yeah, I would, that's important. I would care. I love that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's like, I know my experiences of, you know, intuiting things or trusting things that I've been taught as mm-hmm. well. And there's like a knowingness in me to follow that, right? But then when mm-hmm. some sort of evidence-based science comes along and affirms it, it does feel really good. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think mm-hmm. that's, yeah. I've, Validation. Yeah. It feels very similar. Can you share a fun neuroscience fact with yes. us? <laughs> yes. Uh, one of my favorites is that there's a cluster of neurons in our brainstem uh-huh. that are solely responsible for sighing. <sighs> really? Yes. And <sighs> if you take them out and we lose the ability to sigh, wow. uh, that greatly affects our well-being. We become very paranoid. We're nervous, anxious, all those, I don't want to say negative emotions, but emotions that lean on that side of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah become, we, we can't regulate that. So the physiological wow. sigh, like <sighs> something as simple as that yeah. uh, really down regulates all, all of those emotions. So, wow. yeah. Wow. That is a fun. And that just shows you the importance of breathing. <laughs> yeah, even even sure. sighing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there's a precious real estate, you know, in the body. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like one neuron Mm-mm. or two, you know, there's a cluster, like wow. a significant amount responsible for the sigh. Yeah. We I should love all that sigh together. We should like big breath in. <sighs> That does feel really nice. <laughs> totally. I'm appreciative of the neurons. <laughs> so I know one of your other, another favorite resource of yours besides the Huberman lab is Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes. Yes. And yes. women who run with wolves, mm-hmm. the run with the wolves. Is there um, a favorite story <laughs> from that miraculous book that yes. like super resonates with you? Yes. The story of Vasilisa, mm. which is her interpretation on loosely like the Cinderella story, okay. you know, so the wicked stepmother and then the evil stepsisters, that trope. Yeah. And with her book, she really explains, right, what, mm-hmm. who all of those represent in our own psyche. But in this particular story that really captured me and still captures me today is that Vasilisa, the, the protagonist, she's given a little doll by her mother. 
she puts the doll in her pocket. Mm -hmm. And when she runs into these incredibly challenging situations, like we should go in the forest and go get fire from the witch and the Mm -hmm. forest, like, ah, you know, right. (laughs) The hero's journey, like she has to go do that really difficult task that seems impossible and daunting and scary. The little doll in her pocket starts giving her directions that are clear and crisp and, Mm -hmm. and right, right. Make a right here, turn left there, run fast, don't move. And one of my favorite quotes is that our intuition is a direct messenger from the soul. Mm. So that little doll, right? Mm. Just we can all imagine, you know, mm. these gifts from our ancestry. You know, and that's a gift from her mother that she keeps in her pocket. Mm. And when she needs help, it, it, it's there. It's there. That is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. fun fact for my teacher training, yeah. I like made this like creepy little Barbie doll. <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite turn out how I thought it would. But she didn't give you a clear left or a clear right or anything, no? She just creeped a lot of people out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Vasalisa. Vasalisa. Yeah. I actually haven't read that one. I've been, I've read The Red Shoes oh, like yes. a couple of times. Have you listened to her read? No, I need to. Well, and to be honest, because I digest the book, I, you know, got the book Mm -hmm. gifted to a friend years ago, a friend gifted it to me. And I was like, wow, a lot of power in this book. I know myself, I'm not going to be able to read it cover to cover. Yeah. So I have this practice whenever I pick it up, I just turn to the page that I need and I read that section. But interestingly, I've been reading the same three stories (laughs) for a few years. Okay. Great. (laughs) Oh, and I look forward to Vasilisa. Vasilisa. I think it's towards the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) But I highly recommend, and this is for for everyone that sounds true, is is how you can find her recordings. And it's not just her reading the book. It it really feels like she's sitting on the edge of your bed Mm -hmm. and like reading you and telling you a story. So highly recommend. Different experience. Yeah. I would love that. That sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I know we've both been diving into ceramics as yes. beginners yeah. last year or two. What is your favorite part about being a beginner? Oh, great question. I think being a beginner is so important. For me, the, one of my favorite parts is so that I can be really, really empathetic to somebody, to all beginners, the beginner's emotional states, right? Mm-hmm. Of not knowing how to do something. And basically it informs me to be a better teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy that part. And what what advice do you have for someone who's maybe curious about yoga mm-hmm. or has started or stopped or is just beginning for the very first time? Yeah. Like, what would you share with them? Right. Give it more time. Like, do the two-week intro, do the one-month, whatever the new student special is. <laughs> <laughs> um, give it an honest shot. You know, you can try different teachers and try different teachers again and, you know, again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try not to make a, a too quick of a judgment mm-hmm. because the yoga is coming for you. <laughs> it's going to get you and it's going to bring you so much joy yeah. that it's worth it to, you know, give it more time. Yeah. And practice. And practice. Gosh, see? <laughs> At the end of every turn is the word practice. practice. <laughs> and in terms of like, you know, you said sampling different instructors, yeah. going back to try, you know, the same instructor a few times. Like what are green flags that you look for, you would recommend that beginners look for in instructors? Hmm. Good question. 
I think there are, I think many studios in that world do a great job of titling their classes. So paying attention, if you really want more instruction to look for the foundations, that's a good word, foundations <laughs> practice. Or In my experience, the all levels, mm-hmm. it can oftentimes be an indicator that someone's going to care for all levels. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to care for the beginner and also offer options for the more intermediate or advanced practitioner. Mm-hmm. So that's a good word. So foundations and all levels good. along with beginner, that seems quite clear. A good place to start. Yes, good place and then to start. like, I know typically those words are used for more active, um, mm-hmm. like flow style classes yeah. for yin. Mm-hmm. Is that something that people could just go in at all levels or are there advanced yin uh, classes? I mean, that's, that's not a great question. Come across. That's a, that's a super great question. I, I have not yet run into like advanced <laughs> yin, <Neither. laughs> um, nor do I think that's part of the yin philosophy to be, a, to be quote unquote advanced. I think the most, oh yeah, Jen Lane, she's like, you want to know the most advanced class you could take ever? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, stand in mountain pose (laughs) for three hours. Wow. I was like, have you done that? She said, no, but (laughs) one hour was enough. So (laughs) yeah. So maybe yin is already by default the most advanced Mm -hmm. for many people this age. Cool. Thank you for that clarification. All right, so we are going to dive into some rapid fire okay. questions. Are you ready? No. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. All right, so just short and sweet. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind. All right. What is your human design? Generator. Generator. Where is your favorite place to be in nature right now? A foggy redwood forest. <sighs> Love it. <laughs> what is your beverage of choice? Any water that's sparkling. Mm-hmm. What is your top tip for good energy hygiene? Get a bonsai plant. And how would you define healing? Anything that works. Love that. I love that. (laughs) Wow. Anything that works. Thank you. You're so Wow. My gosh. (laughs) Thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here sharing this conversation with you today. I really, really appreciate you being here. I want people to know where can they find you? How can they connect with you? And what services are you, you know, what are your offerings of the moment? Thank you. Very cool to be here. You're very fun. Everything you can find about me is on my website, which is jenloyoga.com. And I have some cool retreats coming up that do exactly what we were talking about, which Yay! is combining <laughs> the physical practice of yoga with art making. I'm so excited. Um, So all of that is on the website or will be on the website soon. And we'll be linking her website will be available in the show notes. So if you want to just click through to it, it'll be down there. Yep. I teach publicly nine classes a week Mm -hmm. in the Peninsula Bay Area, Redwood City, Los Altos, and Mountain View. So Mm -hmm. you can catch me there. You have beautiful art on your website too. Thank you. Yeah. If anybody (laughs) wants to check out the Kintsugi pieces. Uh, Yeah. Or the, is it Shibori? Shibori. Yeah. Yeah. The indigo dyeing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all also on the website. So we'll be linking to that. And you're on Instagram. I am on the gram. Jen Low Yoga. Mm -hmm. Sweet. That's a great way to keep in touch. Cool. Yeah. Well, look forward to sharing more. And thank you again. Thank you, Beth. For being here with us. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast. I hope that our words, our stories, and the wisdom shared on today's episode inspire you and support you in feeling connected. 
If you loved this episode, please leave us a five-star review so we can reach more people. And as a thank you for listening, join me for a mini course on energy hygiene. You get three simple practices you can do anywhere, anytime to support you in feeling more grounded, connected to yourself, and confident in your energetic boundaries. Sign up at energyhealingelizabeth.com slash energy hygiene. Thanks for being here today, and I look forward to being with you again soon. The primary purpose of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast is to inspire and educate. As a reminder, the information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to speak with your doctor for professional medical advice or treatment. Opinions offered on this podcast are just that, opinions.